2: Like I was kind of making notes of the things I had to tell myself every morning when I was getting sober. It was like being a small child again, like really was. You know, having to go back to utter basics, like feed yourself three times a day, water yourself, sleep. You know, like things that I imagine other people take for granted. I was just like, what?
0: It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh focus on your mental health you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally Yours yours. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen and I'm Yvette, and this week we're going to be chatting to the fantastic
1: Brianie Gordon. She's known for all kinds of things to do with mental health. She's written some fantastic books, but she has a new one out at the moment and it's called You Got This, which is for
0: teenage girls. We're going to be chatting to her about her mental health journey and what she wishes she had known when she was a teenager.
2: I realised when I was about 37, I'm now in the grand old age of 38. I realised that people talk about coming of age, like when they're a teenager. And I realised I got sober at 37. And I and about a year in, I realised that I was coming of age. Like I was still, I was basically the age at which I started drinking, which was like 14. So I'm not that different to what I was like at, as, as a teenager, I mean, apart from the material stuff, I just hated it. I hate I don't have any happy memories of childhood or my teens. Which isn't like, oh boo hoo, poor you, you know, like I didn't but I just don't, I just remember being in perpetual fear of not just the world but myself of being me. It was a horrible, horrible time, you know, in that thing when people go oh the school years are the best of your years of your life I get what what they're trying to say it's like I sometimes say to my say to my daughter she's only six but I'm like what what is it like when she starts crying or like throwing like losing her shit oh can I say shit like losing her shit over the fact that I've given her a blue plate and not a pink plate that kind of like tiny. Mm. and I'm like what is it about six being six that's so awful is it the unconditional love the fact that we do everything the fact that you don't have to go to work you know like and I get I get why older people always tell younger people like, oh, you've got it. You don't know how good you've got it. But um, I I think it's really important to listen to young people and let them feel heard. And I do think that a lot of the problems we have as adults come from not being heard as children. Mm. For me, this book was like, it was all the things I wish someone had said to me when I was young which I'm only really finding out now but only because I'm listening to myself finally as well you know
1: so why did you want to write it? who were you hoping sort of principally to help? I I,
2: myself this idea and I I just wanted to get down on paper like all of these like I was kind of making notes of the things I had to tell myself every morning when I was getting sober it was like being a small child again like really was you know having to go back to utter basics like feed yourself three times a day water yourself sleep you know, like things that I imagine other people take for granted. I was just like, what? Like still I go, oh my God, I have a fridge full of food. Like that blows my mind as a recovering alcoholic, right? So really it was my way of writing down the things that I needed to tell my the teenage girl and me, do you know what I mean? Who was growing up. So I just needed to get it out of me, really. So it, so it is for teenage girls, but I also hope that you know, women of all ages and, and men, maybe, and boys as well. Like I'm not, w- we'll read it and uh, and get something out of it. No. When did you realise that, because you talk
0: about writing it for yourself at first, when did you go, oh, actually, other people might benefit from this?
2: Like, I'm not arrogant enough to think, oh, I can, you know, here's my plan to live an amazing, healthy, happy life. Read this book and your life will be sorted in 10 seconds flat. Like that isn't, I'm not saying that. All this is 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 like these are just quite basic, simple things. I think that um, you know the the the, the kind of this, it's split into the, the 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 thing, just very kind of just fundamental truths which didn't get told to me. And you know, it was when I was young, I and i and and the reason i thought maybe this might help other people is because i see it every day in my instagram inbox you know i get scores of messages from people talking about the self loathing the not the feeling of wanting to crawl out of their own head and slither into someone else's skin you know and i i hear that all the time and i know it's not just me you know so for me it's as much about wanting to reach out and say to other women do you feel this too is it just me? It's about finding a sort of sisterhood and a fellowship. And it's about saying that I've realized actually, as I've got older, that, you know, when I was a kid, I said, you know, I had a million answers to the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? But at the heart of it was all I wanted to be a little less like me. And I realized as I got, when I got sober that being me was the thing that I was best at. And that I was that I got the most success through. So, you know, like the my first you know my first book but my mad girl which is which did really well was all about my madness and prince harry that interview i did with him about his mental health he Chose to speak to me because I was honest about my own flaws. And when Jada and I ran the marathon last year in our underwear, it was all about showing our imperfections and showing how perfect we are in our imperfections and what we can do. And it was about reclaiming ourselves instead of trying to be like other people. Just to interrupt, because I think this is
0: important. Speaking of warning to be other people, you know, you're like our secret nemesis, right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Basically, I'm like, so glad you brought that up because You don't want to be me. No, we do want to beat you, essentially. But you got you beat us, at whatever we're doing, either right before or like right around the same time. So you started your podcast right when we did. It was literally and, I think like a, a day week before, before. A week before, and we yeah. were like, "Damn it, she's bested us again." And then you did a marathon, and I was training for a marathon, but you were doing yours in your underwear, and I was like, oh, "I don't have a cool thing like that." So you're just besting us, basically. No, no, no,
2: okay. Well, this is what I would say is that. I, I really besting is not okay so this is one of the things <laughs> I put across in this book is let's not talk in bests and favourites yes. life is not the iTunes chart I came out with a podcast you came out with a podcast there's, there's space enough for two podcasts there's space for lots of people to do marathons do you know what I mean True. and I think we're, I do think we are brought up as women especially to believe that there's only space for one person you know and that's a patriarchal thing it's like "Mm, we'll give you a bit of space but you better fight for it yeah 100% and like that there isn't there's you know there are people that want to listen to your podcast they want to listen to my podcast they want to listen to all the other there's loads of mental health podcasts out there you know and there there were there were how many i don't know forty five thousand people that ran the marathon on sunday each of them with a unique story and by the way did you, you ran the marathon
0: no, I walk around it. It was uh, last year.
2: So you did do it.
0: I did it. So but not in my underwear. <laughs> so. You presumably had underwear on.
2: Yes. And you just had clothes true. on over your underwear. That's so true. you did do the marathon in your underwear as well. Okay. So, you know, and presumably you did it for your own personal reasons and you have your own amazing story behind that. Yeah, and you raise yes. money. So. You're being very yeah. nice, which makes you a difficult nemesis. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what I'm saying is, no, but this is what I want. This is what I want to get across this space for all of us. There you is. Know, as we are. And no one is better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and I really wish we'd stop comparing ourselves to each other, you know, because I, I do it. And it does not say, like, I don't live <laughs> this kind of like zen existence. Like, please, no. But I'm like, I, I'm accepting that these are the. I feel this way. Other people feel this way, and we don't have. And what we can all do is kind of laugh at the laugh at feeling that way, and go and recognize it, and let it kind of shoe off, and not be held by it anymore. Besting like. I, I really, and I say in the book, like, don't talk, like, do you know, like that thing of who's your best friend? Oh, yeah, that's you know what weird. I mean? I like, it is weird. weird, and you would go back to the mean girls thing. Like, life can sometimes feel like we're in the perpetual awful version of the iTunes charts. Or like the
0: MySpace top eight. You yeah, know, to remember that. yeah, like moving you in and out. Yeah.
2: Or like, it's very you know, or it's like playing this, like, massive game of top trumps with your friends, but you're like, you're the cards. It's like, oh, no, this is not fun. This is not fun. So, um... I'm you know I'm I'm really careful when I'm talking to my daughter I don't go oh, who's your best friend you know or oh, who's your favorite like, get, you know, that we're all you know we're all the same but different but none of us are better than any
0: I think others. that's a big thing I think especially when you're a teenager as well you're constantly comparing yourself and thinking like they're doing all of these things I should be doing that too mm-hmm. and especially now there's Instagram etc yeah I don't wanna, like demonize Instagram but you can see people's successes. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. I do really like the the way in the book as well that you talk
1: about the game of Top Trumps that nobody can win because, Mm -hmm. as you say, you might have even if it's the queen bee of the mean girls group you know they they might be perfect in every way but they might not necessarily have the best grades or something so they're still not completely perfect so no one can win mm. but how can we stop doing that <laughs> because you, you know you just go- stop doing it
2: like i'm not like i think the thing is to accept that like actually is the moment that you stop trying to stop doing it is that it becomes like i'm i like people i often get a mess- messages from people saying um Oh, I wish I had your confidence. And I'm like, well, I don't have any confidence. Confidence is a trick. But what you don't do is like when the thoughts come into my head... Like before what I do is I leap on them and I give them like CPR and like, do you know what I mean? Like mouth to mouth and I'd be like trying to like breathe all this life into the thoughts and I'd grab grab onto them and I wouldn't let go of them now I'm just like, I mean it's a bit like, you know, the meditation thing I just like let them, I'm like, oh hi there there's that thought telling me that I'm a fat fuck or there's that thought telling me that I'm useless and this isn't, do you know what I mean or that um, that my career is over or that, you know, my it's like there's, there's so many of those Thought. Those thoughts take up, they're in my head quite a lot, as they're in everyone's head. But I don't give them the attention that I used to give them. Life's too short. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yes. And it's difficult enough. Like, life is hard enough without us giving ourselves really hard times. And I've also just known that I've also learned through getting sober that, like, every bad decision I've ever made has, like, come from having really bad self-esteem or no self-esteem. And and the good decisions I make on a daily basis are come from having self-esteem. And if I spend my whole time comparing myself to other people and thinking about what I need to get next to be happy or blah, 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 blah. Um, or if I think that I have to be happy the whole time, do you know what I mean? And if I'm not, I'm failing. <laughs> some kind of like terrible, uh, like reflection on my character. My self-esteem starts to dwindle down and I start to make shit decisions again. Like, why don't we go to the pub, get some drugs in, do you know what I mean? Or whatever the stuff. My shit coping mechanisms that just hurt me more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really glad you brought up um, talking about your alcoholism and mm. your recovery. I think it's really great that you're sort of really open and honest about that as you are about, you know, so many other things. How's that going? Great. Yeah. I haven't had a drink for
2: like 600 and something days. I don't know. I've stopped. Well, I haven't stopped counting clearly. <laughs> Last time we checked, it was like over 600. Um, what helps you? Uh, I Well, like, like a lot of people in recovery, I go to 12 step meetings very regularly. And, um, I, uh, I'd love to be able to say like, I meditate. I, you know, I don't, um, as much as I should. Uh, but what helps me is kind of knowing that uh, is knowing that I can ask for help. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of shame in that still and people don't want to ask for help. And I, and I know that the community recovery community is really strong and it's like you can always reach out and ask ask for help from someone if you're struggling you know and, and and what helps me is knowing that actually as long as i don't pick up a drink It'll all be okay. It's all sortable. It really is. Like in the grand scheme of things, it's all fine. But I will there is no problem that won't be made bigger by me getting pissed. Um and also I kind of think of it this way, because I still like, like the thoughts, like the the self-loathing thoughts. I still have thoughts where I'm like, um, oh, a drink would a drink would be nice. But um I kind of remind myself that all that would happen is whatever the uh, the reason that I was drinking whatever I was drinking on or um it would still be there the next day and it would be there with interest basically borrowing from tomorrow's well-being to try and make myself feel better today and then um and then I'm actually depleting the bank even further and doing it
1: it's also been really great how you've been so open about talking about OCD um Mm. you know loads that you've written about um in several of your books and in you got this you've also mentioned it as well um and you mentioned you've named your ocd um jareth the goblin king from labyrinth obviously fantastic film um first of all why did you do this and has it helped and do you still feel the need to call him out or has he been Jareth? banished
2: yeah oh my god so Jaris. <laughs> recently I chose Jaris, the goblin someone suggested to me that it would be good to name my um OCD because it helps you so I could sort of like shout a tear or it just helps to kind of give it characteristics and Jaris the goblin king I remember at like as a child thinking he was you knowing he was evil, but finding him ever so slightly enticing. Also kind of sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, be real that, and that to me kind of summed up my OCD is that I knew it was awful and horrible. And I knew that that thought that what if, what if you've done this? What if you've done that? What if, if you don't say this, everyone's going to die. Like I knew it was OCD and that I knew that, that giving, I knew that um, giving into it was going to make things worse, but I couldn't that's the thing about ocd you can't you just keep going into you get stuck in that doorway so that's why i called called him jareth but i also or it's jareth I, I i it's only recently that someone suggested to me that maybe jareth kind of saved my life a bit like and i was like what and they were like maybe that was how you made yourself feel safe when you didn't you you tried to maybe ocd is a kind of is a very strange kind of protection mechanism. And it is, in a way, you know, because we do it, we do the the ruminations and the compulsions to try and keep things safe. And without that, where would our fear and our horror have taken us? Do you see know what I mean? So, while I don't, well, I'm not by it for any moment going, You know, if you've got OCD, you know, be grateful for it because it's keeping you safe. Because, you know, we all know that when we're in the depths of an episode, it's 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 awful. It's absolutely awful. But I feel now that like I'm less fearful I'm less I feel less unsafe in my life. He's not there as much now. Like I don't I don't need to find safety in my world as much as I did. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, so he comes along again. He's like the other things, and I'm like, "Hi, Jareth. <laughs> How are you doing? You <laughs> might just have to sit outside for a bit and wait until you know." Do you really like visualize him? I mean, yeah, I see David Bowie in the like yeah. tight, the tight silver leggings. Amazing. Yeah,
0: that's a nice thing to see. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's cool. I remember that. I really want to go and watch that film again. Oh
0: yeah, it's the best. Um, so there's loads
1: in your book, um, you got this, uh, that I really love. Um, slightly off topic from mental health, but you say that we should look forward to our periods. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's sort of something that sort of stood out for me because I know Ellen and I have sort of written, Ellen especially, you've written lots about sort of oh, right, to do with periods. with periods. And vaginas. And vaginas. So. Um, but I'm not, have you ever said we should
0: look forward to periods? Um, dep- I think it would depend on how you
2: feel on them. It would yeah. also depend so, on how your period was yeah like some people what i meant what i mean is okay so basically it's also interesting because in some cultures they are really Same like thing. you know you get your period and they're like oh they celebrate you you know there's, there's different ways of looking at you know personally I'm like we when we well apart from Ellen who writes about the periods and vaginas a lot but mostly you know and certainly when I was growing up you didn't talk about your period when you got it and then you don't talk about your periods when you stop getting them and I'm like what is this shit like they're basically without periods without the menstrual cycle none of us would exist and we're yet we're like I'm I was sick of like having to hide a tampon up my um sleeve when I went to the loo in the office or whatever or to like I should like be really embarrassed if one like rolled out of my handbag like what this isn't what is this like it's not I'm not at primary school still and also I think there's this really important thing which is that I always felt and I still, I would dismiss myself when I felt something um, because it was because of hormones. So I'd be like, oh, you know, someone would say oh, she's just hormonal or something. She's on her period. And I'm like, what do you mean just? Like, what do you mean just? Like, hormones are the most powerful chemicals known to humankind. And you're telling me to dismiss them just, just because they happen to be exclusively female. Fuck you. Like, I'm not going to write off the way I feel for basically three months of the year. Like, if you add up, you know... The times, the time you feel hormonal while you are in, while while you are having periods, Um, uh, just just because they happen to be caused by hormones. I'm still feeling that. Do you know what I mean? And actually, when you start to know, and you know, you probably do this. Like you start to kind of like I track my period now, so I know it's coming. And so when I know, if I know that it's coming, I start to like, I start to look after myself and do those acts of kindnesses. And but I get, I don't, I don't know about you, but I get fucking ragey. When I'm yes. about to get my period. So I start, I like do a lot of running things that's that are like very healthy oh, yeah oh. I get very
1: angry right before and then yeah. I always seem to forget when it's coming and then you I'll do. get I'll get really angry for a few days and then my period will start and I'll be just like oh, oh yeah it all makes sense yeah but, but I mean I, it can really affect mental health like we've we had someone on talking about PMDD and that's,
2: yeah, yeah. that's really, it's really no it is and, I, and this is why all of this stuff is important that we talk about it because also it's things like i am really having chats about it, like my periods are really heavy and it's mm-hmm. quite difficult it can be quite difficult you know And I also have this theory that I'm like, if men had periods, there is no way that the height of technological advancement would be a fucking tampon or maybe a moon cup. Do you know what I mean? Like there would be shows where people like Jeremy Clarkson would be like trying out all the different period technology, you know, and we're just like, oh, let me go and find the little shelf at the back of Boots. Like I remember going into a Boots once to go and buy some tampons. And I couldn't see them anywhere. And in the and in the window was an advert for Viagra. Mm. Okay. And then when I finally found them, they were like, it was like this little section called monthly care. So they couldn't even write like menstruation or periods because God knows it might upset the men going to get their Viagra, mm. you know? And I'm like, this is bullshit. This is what I've been talking all day about my moon cup, which I've just discovered, which is amazing. Mm. And we need to talk about this stuff. Like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not embarrassed if I cut myself and I bleed. Mm. And
0: also it's just like checking Mm. if you know what's healthy, you'll know if there's an actual problem.
2: Yes. Because that's the thing that's worrying to me. You also hear it about women who don't go for smears. They don't go, you know, the embarrassment, the shame of being a woman, Mm. of simply, you know, it's that thing of, um it's you know in Fleabag where they're talking about women are born with pain you know and men have to sort of create i don't want to get too like you know gendered and but it is it's 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 that sort of just going inwards on it and i just think we we can all benefit from talking about them more boys as well you know in certain parts of africa they teach the boys at school about periods you know and they don't you know they, there's no kind of it's like she's got her period at the moment. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, then it's it's not it's not seen as this sort of shameful thing. It's seen as something to celebrate. So that's what I meant by, you know. And you know, if you want to like I always also think that's that thing of like, maybe on the day I get my period or just before I'm due to get my period, I don't want to hang out with my really funny but spiky friend like maybe they're not the best person generally there's lots of little decisions that you can make that Mm. are a bit better for you Mm. like maybe I don't want to climb Everest
0: yeah mm. maybe I
2: do and that's the other thing you know we can do all sorts of things Mm. you know
0: I I think a lot of it is getting rid of shame in general and that's relevant for mental health as well Mm. like just getting rid of it all and just making it okay to be
2: honest about I'm bleeding right now right now you know, is anyone else in this room? No, yeah. I just went back on the
1: pill. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Are Oh, yeah. period but the, Well, no, but the thing is, I'm actually no. The, I'm, this is way too much information. It's I'm just But anyway, um, I've recently gone on the pill, so I'm pretty much. I seem to be spotting all the time. So I went to the doctor about this, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, that might happen for a few months." So I was just like,
2: "Oh good." So Can I'm you just, imagine? Can you imagine? I'm just going to be if bleeding. That was, <laughs> if that was, <laughs> <amazing>. oh <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. There's just going to be blood pouring out of your penis every like yeah. maybe for a bit. Ooh, yeah, just go away and don't worry about it. My friend is
0: in and out of the hospital actually because she is just having constant heavy periods. There's no break. Oh, no. And she's been bouncing around by loads of doctors just like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure it will clear up. It so, doesn't seem fine. Yeah. It's a lot of blood. It's great in
1: your book you talk about sort of periods. You also talk about masturbation. You talk about all these things for teenage girls, which I think is fantastic. And you also have a section where you say, thank God for snowflakes, which I love. I love mm-hmm. that section. Can you tell us more about why you said that, though?
2: The term snowflake annoys me because it's just so derogatory and it completely dismisses an entire generation. And, if i also think that if the worst thing you can say about a generation is that they have feelings and they care about things and they care about making people who've previously felt marginalized feel heard then i think we're in pretty fucking good hands yeah <laughs> and so you know i i kind of say you know you're as amazing and complex as a snowflake is structurally but you're not as weak as imper- and impermanent as one you know you're not you're not going to melt away and um, and I think it's really important that we validate and listen to people's concerns, whatever they happen to be. Um, Especially around mental health, because I think that is where a lot of the criticisms
1: around mm-hmm. the snowflake stuff yeah, comes in. Yeah, and
2: I think that there's seen as you know, I think that there is a certain type of person who sees it as somehow indulgent. Yeah. And they go, they say, well, you know, when I, when I, when I grew up, I was beaten around and it never did me and beaten and buggered and never did me any harm. And I think, well, maybe it didn't do you any harm or that. But, you know, that in itself is questionable. Um, But what about the guy you went to school with who ended up, you know, like a deadbeat alcoholic or, you know, we don't, you don't know and you can't speak for everyone. And I don't think it's about indulging every feeling. You know, like, I don't think it's like, my child says to me, they're feeling sad today. They don't want to go to school. I'm not going to go, okay, you're staying from school. I think there's that kind of assumption that that's what it is. What it is, is it's, it's listening. It's going, okay, that's okay. Mm. Like, you feel sad. You don't want to go to school. I felt sad. I didn't want to go to school. Now we're going to go to school. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but do you want to talk about it while we're walking to school? Because I totally get that. Do you know what I mean? It's about, it's about, it's... It's about, you know, we are all better off for being in tune with our feelings and people somehow still see it as indulgent. It's not. It actually makes you a lot more um, available to everyone and a lot, a lot a lot, more able to do service and help other people. So I, I think it's, um, I, I find it a really irritating phrase in relation to mental health. And if you're young and one of your bodily organs malfunctions, you don't feel shame about it. You, you may feel kind of upset and cross, but do you know what I mean? There isn't this sort of massive stigma attached to it. And your brain is, a, is an organ. It's like, it's the only organ that can't be replaced as well, as far as I know, transplanted. Someone will someone will come in and go, actually, no, there's another organ that can't be transplanted. But, you know, and and it sometimes fucks up and malfunctions. And I think it's really important that we don't, you know forget that ignore that you know all mental illness wants you alone and isolated that's what it wants that's how it thrives it's like an abuser it it thrives on a culture of silence so I think it's actually very dangerous to dismiss people young people uh, as snowflakes
0: if there's one lesson in this book or outside of the book that you wish you had learned about mental health earlier in your life what would that be?
2: Well I guess it's that i that I'm not gonna feel that way forever you know i, I remember thinking i couldn't amount, I couldn't see a way out of my depressions or my obsessive compulsive episodes i just couldn't i couldn't I couldn't imagine a time when I wasn't feeling them and I'm much more able to like i say, i remember last summer like I was about a year into sobriety and I'd got over that initial hurdle of um of, of not drink of like getting rid of the compulsion to drink, but then you're left with everything you drank on. And um it's a bit like someone's pulled out uh, you know, the, the rug from underneath you and you're like, Oh my god, there's all these stains, put it back, put it back, put it back but you can't see on the stains on the, see the stains, you've just got to scrub at them and get rid of them, you know. And I remember, like, I remember saying to my husband, I'm like, if I get through this period without picking up a drink, because I was, I was was bad. It was really dark. I was like, "Um, I think I'm going to Marvel are going to make me an Avenger. And he was like, what, what's your superpower? I'm like... Sitting with my feelings? Sitting with my feelings? Take that, Iron Man. <laughs> Be like, hi guys, I've come to save the world by sitting with my feelings. But, um, it, you know, it, it does feel like a superpower sometimes. And I think it's... You, and you also get through them a lot quicker if you sit with them. Do you know what I mean? You deal with them. It's, it's also cliched. And I'm sure people have been trying to say this to me for decades and I've just not been able to hear it. But... um. I think it's a kind of... It's it's not a particularly unique piece of advice, but, you know, and it's in fact, it's as old as the hills, but this too will pass. But don't... Don't... Um, and that it's okay to feel like we don't... Basically, you don't have to feel happy all the time. I think our search for happy, our constant quest for happy makes us really unhappy. Um, we need to teach kids about being... Um, not just about happy how to be happy and happy over us. We really need to teach kids how to be sad.
0: So this is goodbye from Mentally Yours So go away,
2: enjoy your day, get on with all your
0: chores from Mentally, Mentally Mentally, Mentally, Mentally Yours Mentally Yours Mentally Yours, mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact The Samaritans on 116 123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. You can find us
1: on Twitter. We're
0: at MentallyYRS. Also, if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that would be lovely. Thanks very much to our producer, Sam Bonham, to Brian E. Gordon for coming on the show and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next week.